Hello, hello, and welcome to The Fruitful Life with Andrea Thompson. This is episode number 13. Uh, Today I'm going to be in Psalm 78. I was sitting there reading this last night, and, you know, the journey of the Israelites really just um, makes me think. It really, really makes me think, um, not only because it's a shadow of what is to come what or what was to come the fulfillment of of salvation in, in Jesus Christ but just because of the way that they reacted to things the way that they did things you know and human nature fallen nature is absolutely no different uh than the way that they did things but psalm 78 really spoke to me um and I'm just going to read it and 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 bring some commentary on on particular things but this whole psalm is about God's kindness to to rebellious Israel Okay, so it says in verse one, give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. Something I learned in this season is the reason that you see a lot in the Bible, specifically in the New Testament and coming out of Jesus's own mouth about having ears to hear is about obedience. Uh, It was about a heart posture to obey. Um, I love the way that uh, this 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 gentleman that that preached at uh, the church I'm attending um, yesterday, he he literally said it's it's he gave an example of when you're telling your child to do something. And then they don't do it. They don't respond with obedience. Um, Oftentimes you will say, did you hear me? Right. Which is not about just the ear hearing words, but the proof of that you heard me was that you respond in obedience. And I was like, I love that example. That is absolutely perfect. So when it says this, incline your ears to the words of my mouth, it's about being postured to respond to the things that God is saying. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. This is actually very prophetic of when Jesus walked the earth. And he was teaching them in parables, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, telling to the generation to come to the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children. Why? That they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. I want to speak on that real quick because this is a biblical principle about forgetfulness, uh, as well as the tool that God uh, explained to us was purposeful in our Christian walk. And it was remembrance. You see it everywhere in the Old Testament as God led the Israelites on their journey. Uh, You also see it in the New Testament where the apostles were telling the church, the New Testament church, to remember, to remember. Why? Because human nature is to forget. Um, It's so important that we not only understand how serious forgetfulness is, um, but that we understand the design of God. The Bible says that we are to go from faith to faith. The reason being is because our faith should build upon our faith. So each time that we have a revelation of God, each time that God shows shows up for us in whatever way, um, we are to allow that to, to, to put another brick on the building of faith, so to speak. Um, faith has to be exercised uh, just like a muscle. 
It has to be tested and proven genuine. And so it's important that we learn how to remember. Uh, Remembrance goes two ways. Uh, It goes in the aspect of remembering where you came from. Right. And that's important because it keeps you in a level of gratitude for the Lord. It keeps your testimony uh, to the forefront, um, as well as remembrance of of um, the, the things that he's done in your life like miracles coming through for you provisionally, getting you through seasons of hardship, whatever it is that you remember and not forget. And may not and may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious, excuse me, generation, a generation that did not set its heart aright and whose spirit was not faithful to God. When I see stuff like that specifically about the Israelites, it tells me what not to do. This is where, you know, I might study what does it mean uh, that they did not set their hearts aright? More than likely that it, it's it's just about heart posture to say they didn't set their heart towards me. They didn't set their heart to do the will of God, to be pleasing to God, to know him, to love him, right? And whose spirit was not faithful to God. Why? Because if your heart is not postured right, you're not going to be faithful to God. And faithfulness is a sign of a Christian. So this says the children of Ephraim being armed and carrying bows turned back in the day of battle. They did not keep the covenant of God. I find this interesting because, um, which I can't get into that today, but something that I have been noticing is that when God delivered the uh, Israelites out of Egypt, he took them a particular way, even though there was a shorter way. And the reason he gave in scripture was lest they see the battle and turn back. I'm digging into this teaching because there there's something to that because the Christian walk is a battle. It is the representative of the Israelites going from the wilderness, learning how to depend on a covenant keeping God and going into the promised land and having to drive out everything that's there. You know, that is a picture of the Christian walk. And so it's important. It's so important that we don't turn back from the battle. They refused to walk in his law and forgot his works and his wonders that he had shown them. So there it is again. They forgot his works and his wonders that he had shown them. Marvelous things he did in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through. So there's the Red Sea. And he made the waters stand up like a heap. In the daytime also he led them with a cloud and all the night with a light of fire. He split the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink in abundance like the depths. He also brought streams out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. All miracles that he did right in front of their faces. But they sinned even more against him by rebelling against the Most High in the wilderness. And they tested God in their heart by asking for the food of their fancy. So they were unsatisfied with what God gave them. And instead they asked for the food that they were craving, which is again, another teaching, praise the Lord. Yes, they spoke against God. They said, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? How many of us do this? You know, we have to ask our hearts. We have to check our hearts rather to see if this is the kind of, thinking the kind of posture that we are in can God question mark right he has more than shown you what he can do can God the answer is yes he can behold he struck the rock so that the waters gushed out and the streams overflow can he give bread also can he provide meat for his people 
Therefore, the Lord heard this and was furious. So a fire was kindled against Jacob and anger also came against Israel because they did not believe in God and did not trust in his salvation. Yet he had commanded the clouds above and opened the doors of heaven, had rained down manna on them to eat and given them of the bread of heaven. Men ate angels food. He sent them food to the full. He caused an east wind to blow in the heavens and by his power, he brought in the south wind. He also rained meat on them. Excuse me. He also rained meat on them like the dust, feathered fowl like the sand of the seas. And he let them fall in the midst of their camp all around their dwellings. So they ate and were filled for he gave them their own desire here that here it is. They were not deprived of their craving, but while their food was still in their mouths, the wrath wrath of God came against them and slew the stoutest of them and struck down the choice men of Israel. In spite of this, they still sinned and did not believe in his wondrous works. Therefore their days he consumed in futility. Futility means uselessness and their years in fear. When he slew them, then they sought him and they returned and sought earnestly for God. Then they remembered (laughs) that God was their rock. Why does it take literally trial, tribulation, the wrath of God, the anger of God, the judgment of God for us to remember? (laughs) It's like then they remembered and the most high God, their redeemer. Nevertheless, they flattered him with their mouth and they lied to him with their tongue for their heart was not steadfast with him steadfast meaning unwavering you remember in james it talks about being double-minded and double-mindedness uh the bible says that the man who is double-minded is unstable in all of his ways he's tossed about to and fro in the waves uh and that a double-minded man should or a doubting man should not expect to receive anything from god Look it up. It's there. We have to be steadfast in heart, unwavering. It says, nor were they faithful in his covenant, but he being full of compassion forgave their iniquity and did not destroy them. Yes, many a time he turned his anger away and did not stir up all of his wrath, for he remembered that they were but flesh, a breath that passes away and does not come again. How often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again, they tempted God. Listen to this and limited the Holy One of Israel. So God wanted to do so much more than what we see that he did for on behalf of the Israelites. They limited him because they did not believe. They did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them from the enemy. See, there it is right there that we are to remember that he delivered us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. It says when he worked his signs in Egypt and his wonders in the field of Zoan, turned their rivers into blood and their streams that they could not drink. He sent swarms of flies among them, which devoured them and frogs, which destroyed them. He also gave their crops to the caterpillar and their labor to the locust. He destroyed their vines with hail and their sycamore trees with frost. He also gave up their cattle to the hail and their flocks to fiery lightning. He cast on them the fierceness of his anger, wrath, indignation, and trouble by sending angels of destruction among them. He made a path for his anger. He did not spare their soul from death, but gave their life over to the plague and destroyed all the firstborn in Egypt, the first of their strength in the tents of Ham. But he made his own people. So here is the comparison, because one thing you'll see in the Exodus, if you'll read it pertaining to Egypt, is God said over and over again about the eighth or ninth plague. God said over and over again, I am going to make a distinction between my people and Egypt. Okay. 
that's important to understand because right there he told us everything that he did to Egypt on behalf of Israel and the deliverance of them. That should have been their foundation of faith in God that he delivered them out of bondage. The faith should have only built from there. The trust should have only built from there and it didn't. But he made his own people go forth like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock and he led them on safely so that they did not fear. But the sea overwhelmed their enemies and he brought them to his holy border, this mountain which his right hand had acquired. He also drove out the nations before them, allotted them an inheritance by survey and made the tribes of Israel dwell in their tents. Yes, they tested and provoked the most high God and did not keep his testimonies, but turned back and acted unfaithfully like their fathers. They were turned aside like a deceitful bow, for they provoked him to anger with their high places, that's idolatry, and moved him to jealousy with their carved image, also idolatry. When God heard this, he was furious and greatly abhorred Israel, so that he forsook the tabernacle of Shiloh, the tent he had placed among men, and delivered his strength into captivity and his glory into the enemy's hand. So he delivered them over to be in captivity. That is a part of God's judgment. We're seeing it in the nation right now that he will deliver a nation, a people over uh, to to captivity under under someone who is very clearly evil as a place of judgment to get people to turn back. He also gave his people over to the sword and was furious with his inheritance. The fire consumed their young men and their maidens were not given in marriage. Their priests fell by the sword and their widows made no lamentation. Then the Lord awoke as from a sleep like a mighty man who shouts because of wine and he beat back his enemies. He put them to a perpetual reproach. So this is basically saying that God now God is about to to fix it um, because God is compassionate and long suffering. He will his 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 anger only lasts. But for a moment, the Bible says. Moreover, he rejected the tent of Joseph and did not choose the tribe of Ephraim, but chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loved. And he built his sanctuary like the heights, like the earth, which he has established forever. He also chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds, from following the ewes that had young. He brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. So again, God is, is, is merciful. He's, he's long suffering, but there's so much that we can learn uh, from Israel. So, so much. Um, it's important to study their wilderness journey. It's important to study uh, their heart posture, their disobedience, their rebellion. Uh, in Hebrews chapter four, it talks about, and even before chapter four, uh, in, in chapter three, uh, it quotes the Old Testament and saying that the Holy Spirit says to us today, what it said to them back then, do not harden your hearts as in the day of rebellion. God said that he refused to allow them to enter into the rest of God, which is, again, of great value to a believer. And the reason being is because their hearts constantly went astray and they did not know his ways. So understand this relationally. God wants us to go so deep with him that we begin to know his ways not in in a robotic fashion, but in a personal relationship. Again, the Bible says that eternal life is to know him and Jesus Christ. So we have eternal life even now. Eternity is in the future, but eternal life is now because eternal life is Christ. It is, it, he is it. 
He is the fullness thereof. And so we can learn so much from the Israelites if we would just become satisfied in God, if we would not allow ourselves to be given over to cravings and lusts of the flesh, the passions of our fallen nature. If we would learn to depend on the Lord and build our faith upon faith, uh, build our faith upon the word of God, which shows us who he is um, and begin to take him at his word and and nothing less, nothing less. I think about Romans. Um, I was looking at that the other day. I'll mention that. And I was looking at um, I want to say it's Romans four, but I was looking at Abraham's story because Paul in the book of Romans goes over a lot about how Abraham was justified by faith and how it was accounted to him as righteousness. But a part that stuck out to me the other day was it said that um, Abraham, when God promised him and Sarah a child, and they were very, very old uh, at that point. Um, And it made no logical sense that Sarah could get pregnant, much less carry a baby to term and, and, and so on and so forth. It said that that Abraham did. He believed God. Um, It said that he was unwavering, that he meaning he was immovable in his faith, that he did not even consider that his body was nearly dead and that Sarah was very, very old as well. So that tells me that that Abraham didn't even allow his mind or his heart to consider uh, the natural circumstances that would speak directly against the promise. And the Bible says that he was fully convinced And I love that. I love that. Can we be a people who are fully convinced, unwavering that the one who promises us these things is absolutely able to perform them? This is why I want to do teachings on the promises of God and covenant, because I think it's a big reason why many Christians in America specifically struggle to have real, lasting, enduring, deep-rooted faith. It's because we don't fully understand the promises of God. We don't live from a place of the promises of God. We don't live from a place of understanding covenant. I don't know that I've even heard anyone teaching about covenant you know, and I'm still learning about it. But it's very interesting because it is foundational for us to understand right? It's it's a place where our faith is rooted in that he's a covenant keeping God. It's in Hebrews where it tells us that the new covenant was made by infallible things. Even God himself took an oath, you know, and he, he makes sure and tells us, hey, there's no way for this thing to be broken. No way, because it was God himself who made it. And so when we realize those things, everything else falls underneath that. Everything else, like the provision, the, you know, all the, all the, the, the daily things that we have to have faith for falls under that he's a covenant keeping God. The reason people called him in the Old Testament, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is because he's a God of promise. That was about the promises of God. And we see that he keeps them from generation to generation because we're here and we've been saved. We are literally a direct result of the promise that God gave to Abraham back then in Genesis, when he had Abraham stand there and look up in the sky and try to number the stars and say that you will be a father of many nations. We are a part of the results of that promise. Like really sit with that. 
This is something to be meditating upon. Praise God. And I'm going to stop there. I really just wanted to get on here because um, it's just a beautiful day out right now. It's morning time while I'm doing this podcast and I'm just sitting here looking outside with my door open, just in awe of the Lord's creation. And I was just like, you know what? I need to get on here. And so I pray that that blesses you. I pray that these things are stirring you up to go check these things out for yourself, especially anything that you haven't heard before. Begin to be a person that studies the word of God. The Bible says he will reward those who diligently seek him. Draw near to him and he will draw near to you. And you have been given full access, full access at this point. So use it. So Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, God, for giving us another day on this earth, for not everybody makes it to see another day. Father, we thank you for the precious gift of life. We thank you that you are a covenant-keeping God. We thank you, Lord, for the precious promises that you gave us, God. And I pray, Lord, that, again, we become a people who not only understand these, these things, but come to understand them like Old Testament saints, such as Abraham, that these things would cause us to not waver in our faith, God, and to be fully convinced in what it is that you have said you will do and that you will see it through to the end because you are not a man that you should lie. Father, I pray that we learn from the rebellion of Israel, that we would never just look at them, Lord, and say, oh, goodness, why y'all are just ignorant, you know? I, I understand that way of thinking of looking at them, like, how could you do that? But God, we we are the same as Israel. What Israel did was human nature. It was human nature. And God, I pray that you would teach us Teach us how not to be rebellious. Teach us how to today not harden our heart as in the day of rebellion. Teach us how to keep our hearts, our heart postures aright, as you said in the psalm, Lord. Learning your ways, God, not just confessing with our mouth and turning away from you with our hearts, God. May we not lie to you, Lord, because you can see the heart wide open. God, I pray again that the word that goes forth would go into people's hearts, God, and would cause fruit. To come up. Father, we bless your holy name. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. We love you. God, we thank you, Lord, for everything that you have done for us, everything that you continue to do for us. And may the Lamb get the reward of his suffering in the inheritance that is in the saints, God. Let it be so. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <music>